Hello, I'm Annabelle Sacker, and this is Really Wellness, a podcast dedicated to giving you better free access to information, education, insight, and guidance on healthcare from some of the best and the brightest in the health and well-being industry. Welcome, welcome to the Really Wellness podcast. Today we have Bianca Rodriguez with us. Uh, She is a holistic psychotherapist uh, and she specializes in an area which I've long been fascinated by and and that is uh, how spirituality impacts our psychology. I think when it comes to health, uh, many of us tend to focus on the, the kind of environmental and, and physiological reasons why we might be going through a difficult time. But we tend to forget that the role that spirituality, whether it's traditionally religious or not, plays uh, in, in helping to bring us relief and, and clarity and comfort throughout our journeys to heal. In my own experience, I certainly for a very long time in life tended to shy away from anything that felt sort of slightly religious to me. But one day after, purely by chance, uh, going to an AA meeting to support a friend, I, I was awakened to this world of faith in a higher power to help one on one's mental health journey. And, and it really changed my point of view on spirituality. And bringing spirituality into my life as a result became a huge comfort and and aid on my mental health journey. And I think it really can do the same for others. And programs like AA are, if you will, living proof of that. So I wanted to bring Bianca on today to open you guys up to the world of uh, spirituality in line with mental health and how finding spirituality can help us to improve our mental health. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Bianca Rodriguez. Bianca, I don't know if you want to start by perhaps telling us a little bit more about yourself and what inspired you to become a holistic psychotherapist. Yes, absolutely. And thank you for having me here. It's such a pleasure to speak with you. Yes. So holistic psychotherapist is actually a term that I created. I made up um, because I felt like I wanted to make it clear to folks that the way I work is that I take into account your mind, your body, and your spirit. And when I was in graduate school, I went to Columbia. uh, I forget what years it was, over 15 years ago now. And, you know, I was learning all about all the theories of psychology and all the diagnoses and stuff like that. And there was only one class that was called psychology, spirituality, and religion. And I ate up. The reading list was incredible. The professor was incredible. And it was like, oh. Why is there not more of this? Why are we not talking more about this? So that kind of planted the seed. I mean, and from the beginning of my life, you know, as a kid, I was always sort of a seeker. I was always drawn to nature. I always sort of knew that we had this energy about us that was eternal. You know, I just, I don't know. I just sort of had this understanding as most kids do often do. They're really, really intuitive and just sort of know things. So you know, the seed was planted in graduate school. And then, um, you know, I had to do all the hours that you do as an intern. And I was working with foster children and learning a lot about trauma and like really getting my chops. And then I had a, a breakdown and I had a breakdown with alcohol. 
and I went into the rooms of 12-step programs and there I had a spiritual awakening and I was like, wait a second, the treatment for addiction is trying to create some sort of a life and a, and a, and a relationship with a power greater than yourself? What? And it was so incredibly life-changing and powerful that I then was like, everybody needs this. And it kind of gave me a vehicle to sort of take all the things that I was feeling about, you know, that we did have a spirit and how do I bring this into my work and how do I talk to people about this? I had been doing yoga and always reading and, and meditating and seeking. And I just felt like that after I had such a powerful experience with it, I was like, I have to bring this to everybody, everybody, we need to be talking about it. And I have some clients who are like, you know, I don't want to really, they're not into it and that's fine. I got all the other tools in the toolbox, but at least all my clients know that I look at it like they have the answers within them. And that's part of my spiritual understanding is that we all have the answers that we seek within us and that I'm not the expert when I work with clients. I don't know what's, what's right for them. I am there to help guide, you know, help light the way on the journey and really trusting that they have this inner wisdom and this inner um, drive to expand and to grow and to evolve into the, the fullest expression of themselves. I love that. And, and I really love that you mentioned um, AA because I think that's such a great illustration of what you're talking about. Um, I have a number of friends who are in AA and I've been to meetings with them. And, you know, I myself have, have been through therapy for years and years and years, but I, you know, as someone who hasn't experienced addiction, I found AA meetings to be kind of the most incredible form of therapeutic experience ever. And it was because of that spiritual connection and the sense of, of kind of community and like wholeness that that creates in and of itself. Um, and I think so often, you know, when we think about mental health, we tend to kind of disconnect the spirit or spirituality from it, but it's such an important part of, of, who we are. And I think for a lot of people, spirituality can be a really useful tool when it comes to healing. Um, but, but I'm not sure that people kind of, although we know that, I'm not sure people really understand necessarily what a holistic approach to mental health is and, and what a spiritual approach to mental health is. Um, and I was wondering if you could tell us just a little bit more in depth about that. What does that actually mean? What does that mean in practice? Yes. So it really starts out with the philosophy that I was explaining to you before about believing that everybody has the answers within and also that we are connected to a system, to something that's greater than us, which I will always tell you, I do not fully understand. And honestly, anybody that comes to us with like a little box answer with a bow on top, that's like, this is how it all works. This is what we're doing here. I'm always like running the opposite direction because I don't think anybody fully understands. So acknowledging that there's a mystery to life to which we are a part. I like to look at it as energy. I like the science about it. I like to think about 
and research quantum physics and, you know, having those experiences where you can feel someone maybe staring at you, even though they're behind you, you can't see them, but you get this sense that somebody's staring at you. It's like, there's something going on there with energy, right? So first of all, I think it's acknowledging that we're part of a bigger system. And what's beautiful is that people can come into therapy with their own idea of what that is. My job is not to make them believe my idea, right? So some people do have a certain faith. You know, I work with people who, you know, are, are you know, you know, Orthodox, um, you know, Jewish. I've worked with people who are into Kabbalah. I've worked with people who, you know, are into Christianity. So it's really whatever your concept is that you're part of something that's bigger than you, that there's a mystery and then figuring out how do we live in communion with that experience of something that's greater than us. And I will often find, you know, what's really interesting about science that we know is that everything is always expanding. And also if you look at like a flower, it's like, how do flowers bloom? Like, do they get a script? Do they get like a, like a, like a, like a, a class before they get potted? No, they just intuitively know how to bloom. And I think people are the same way. And when we're experiencing dis-ease, disease, anxiety, depression, physical ailments, I think it's because there's something getting in the way of our natural inclination to expand. And that's what I try to help people figure out. A lot of the time it's, belief patterns, if we've experienced trauma, it impacts the way that our brains developed. Um, it, it's stored within our body. So we need to be able to process those things. If we're doing, you know, if we're utilizing substances or certain behaviors in a way that is abusive to ourselves, that to me says there's some kind of a wound under there that we're trying to anesthetize. So really that is the way that I bring it forward um, you know, with my clients. And that first step is usually about some sense of surrendering your will and your life of acknowledging there's something greater than me working here. And it's not working against me. It's working for me. And that can change the whole game. I think it does. And, and I think what's interesting is a lot of people find that idea of surrender is certainly something that kind of I found quite daunting on my journey to, to kind of find a better place with mental health. That idea of surrender to a, to a higher power is terrifying, right? You know, with a lot of kind of mental health uh, problems or disorders, you know, it's about control or lack of control, right? But giving up that control to someone outside of you is bloody terrifying. However, I think, you know, like you're saying, doing so gives us this space to grow and expand. And it also gives you a strange sense of, I think, support, knowing that you are part of something kind of greater can be immensely comforting and, and healing in so many ways. Um, and, you know, there are, as we mentioned with AA, many kind of um, therapeutic practices that recognize that, but there are also many that don't seem to, or at the very least, don't seem to incorporate it. Um, why do you think that often traditional psychotherapy sort of shies away from spirituality? Yeah, because I think what happened with psychotherapy was it got linked up with Western medicine right? So it kind of got linked up with psychiatry and the medical profession. And the medical profession, the Western medical profession, right? Traditional kind of 
I don't even know, you know, traditional maybe not is not the right word, but you know, Western medicine really looks to be like, here's a symptom. Okay, let's apply this intervention to solve it, right? Where holistic medicine, functional medicine, right, looks at the entire system of the person. And so I think that, yeah, I mean, I think that psychology just got funneled right into that kind of medical model. And that really didn't have anything. It's like, what do you, let's apply some prayer on here. Let's apply some surrender. Let's see if that helps out. It's like, no, let's apply like, right. These very systematic interventions also that we can measure, right. That we can measure so we can prove to you that something's happened. And everything I'm talking about is like, this is kind of a mysterious practice. Healing is a mysterious, it's an art, right? Healing is, it, it's called, they're called the healing arts for a reason. And I think that's one of the greatest things that's starting to happen is we're starting to see a lot of people, doctors, psychologists, healers, like we're all starting to move over to this other way of doing the work that is much, much more ancient, right? It was, you know, shaman and medicine women and, you know, there used to be much more of that connection. I think we're going back to that because I'm like, that's what works. That what's, what works you this complex, exotic cocktail of skin and bone and, you know, spirit and all this stuff. It's like a pill or a one intervention. And there are interventions that are very kind of laid out like DBT that, you know, are really helpful for people. But to me, that's just like one aspect of it. That's just one aspect of the healing. That's one tool to help you. But we got to look at, yeah, you're a spiritual being having a human experience, not the other way around. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think, you know, you're right. That is something that I've seen kind of a growth in uh, interest towards and acceptance of within the medical community. You know, I don't think there's one medical practitioner that I've spoken to in the course of really wellness that doesn't think that some form of holistic approach um, and spiritual approach is really important, especially when it comes to mental health. Um, and I think um, you mentioned DBT. I'm, I, I am actually very, I had a very bad experience with TB, DBT, but um, you know, if you compare something like that, which is a very prescriptive, very direct form of kind of treating mental illness versus kind of that more, uh, comforting exploratory spiritual element um, you can see kind of why they might be effective in different situations but why one might also provide a broader support and in my opinion that would be the, the kind of spiritual side of things um, I, I just think it's it's kind of hugely hugely effective um, and I do believe that people are beginning to recognize that more and more um, but for kind of many people outside of the medical community, um, you know, they might be kind of unsure or tentative of how to, to kind of take that approach to their own mental health. Um, and I was wondering if you could kind of give us some key ways or steps that we could take ourselves to sort of embrace spirituality as a part of protecting and, and healing our mental health. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so one thing that's really important that I would tell people to do is, you know, when, when we say the word spirituality, just to, you know, I love journaling. I do believe that writing is a soulful act. There's things that come through my hand, through the pen. I mean, I'm talking writing like in a journal, not typing it out. And in a way that they don't come out when I speak, 
or when I type them out. So I'm, I'm really like a fan of getting a journal, getting some loose leaf paper, whatever it is. And just first of all, looking at what that word means to you. You know, a lot of us grew up in families and societies where, you know, I went to Catholic school and I was given a lot of information about what God is and sinning and all this stuff. So a lot of people shy away from it, you know, or kind of like, no, no thanks. I don't want people to tell me what to do. I don't believe in that. So first of all, I think you got to look at what does that word mean to you? What have your experiences with it been, whether you think they're positive or negative, right? And then you got to reclaim it. If it's, if there's some parts to it that you're like, that was not what I believed, or I felt like I was forced to, to do this stuff. Right. So that's part of the process is that you got to work that out and you can do that through, through writing about it. You can just actually like, what does spirituality mean to me? What, what have my experiences been? Blah, right. What do I want it to mean? Right. And so first working on reclaiming it. Now, if you're a person who's like, no, I really have no energy around it. I'm just open. Your spirit speaks to you in the things that light you up and in your curiosity, your, your curiosity to be like, ever just like, right. You're like, I don't know. What's this book on this bookshelf. And there's like a lot of books on the bookshelf and you're just drawn to one for, for some reason and then you pull it out and it's fascinating to you, or it gives you this information that you were looking for and everything seems to make sense. There's a magic there. So I would tell people getting in touch with your spirit is like what lights you up. It could be dancing. It could be playing with pets. It could be nature. It could be singing. You don't have to be good at the thing. It could be writing poems. It could be being with your family. So notice what lights you up and allow your curiosity to start to guide you. Because I think of your spirit as like your internal GPS system. It intuitively, innately, it knows who you are meant to be, right? And so you just start following those things. You could pick up a book on, you know, on um, goddesses and then like never look at it again. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't have to become anything. It's just allowing yourself to have those experiences. And whatever interests you, start start reading those things. Start looking at those things. Um, start listening to those people talk. And it really is, again, that journey of questions. And it's really a personal, personal, um, it's a personal journey. Yeah. So maybe finding some groups of people who are talking about things. You know, there's meditation classes. There's yoga classes. There's so many courses on herbalism now online and you know goddess circles and moon circles and anything that speaks to you a church you want to go to church go to church yeah explore and and i think that self-exploration is really key you know i think sometimes you say the word spiritual to people and they think oh religion but it can be religion or it can be kind of your own unique sense of, of what brings you kind of comfort and opens you up and, and lights you up as you mentioned um and i really like that you mentioned kind of exploring specific maybe classes or books or you know pieces, uh, resources, really, um, because certainly for me, that's been something that's really Im been important in my kind of mental health and spirituality journey. Are there any kind of specific resources that you, you yourself have kind of been inspired by or you find with clients are particularly effective in terms of, of kind of taking that spiritual approach to mental health? Yes, absolutely. So I started out at 18 years old with a VHS tape. That was a yoga tape that my mom gave me because she knew I had a lot of energy and needed to channel it in an appropriate way. And I would do this yoga and it was like pretty typical. I don't even know, maybe like vinyasa. I don't even, I don't remember. It was, 
Eric Schiffman and Ali McGraw. And they were like in this beautiful setting in the desert. So that also sort of spoke to visually beautiful. And so I would, I would do the yoga and I really liked what he was teaching us about the breath because I have a tendency to run anxious. And so that first, that started to really speak to me. And this is me at 18, 19, 20 years old at home with a VHS tape with nobody to talk to about it. Just, okay. But it exposed me to like, oh, there's, there's people that do this and that talk this way. And at the very end, when you're in Shavasana, he says, when you let go of everything, all that's left is love. And that was my favorite part of the practice. And I, and I would, I, it, I get goosebumps just talking about it. Like it really spoke to me. So those little messages, like just started to create my understanding of what I consider spirituality. So I think yoga has become, you know, very, very, you know, popular. There's lots of different ways to like enter it, breathing. Um, there's a lot of breath work classes, but really, you know, what I like about yoga is sort of the breath element to it and that there's this spiritual element to it. And now I do Kundalini yoga, which is like the most woo woo of all the yogas in out there. Um, so I gravitated, I did that. And then I did Iyengar yoga because they taught a class in my college. So, right. So that was a great, I think yoga is a great way to get into it. Um, one of my favorite books of all time is the places that scare you by Pema children. Um, I'm very, I've gotten very into kind of more Buddhist, um, philosophy. So that's one of my favorite books. Anything by her is wonderful. Oprah Winfrey has got those super soul sessions. It's a podcast. It's 20, it's like 20 minutes. So many incredible speakers that come at spirituality and purpose and life in so many different ways. Um, I think that that's a great place to start like dabbling to see like what interests me, you know, like what, which one of these people speaks to me. And then maybe, you know, you get their book or you watch their TED talk or whatever that is. Um, and nature for me noticing I have got to live. We were talking about this earlier. I have to live by the ocean. I notice that my body and my energy is different when I'm not near the ocean. And so to me, the ocean, it's like, she's my mother. That's where I go to pray. Right. And to pray doesn't mean I get on my knees and I even say anything. I just go and sit there and look at her. Right. And I notice that something happens to me. You know, I take a lot of baths. There's something about water and me. So maybe noticing where do you feel most at peace? Maybe that's part of your spiritual practices. You got to go to the mountains. You got to lay in the grass. You got to have a certain amount of sunshine. So yes, nature is a huge part of it too. I love that you mentioned yoga and also nature. For me, those are two things where I find my myself kind of most, I guess, spiritually and mentally at peace. Um, and I think for a lot of people, nature in particular is hugely, hugely powerful. Um, you know, it has a really, really incredible effect on people. And I think, you know, without realizing how often that is because it, it kind of connects to something on a very deeply spiritual level that's exceptionally kind of calming and implicating for us. Um, so yeah, I'm really happy to hear that you, you mentioned those two. Um, and I will also go and check out some of the other things that you mentioned as well. Thank you so, so much for joining me today. It's been such a pleasure to speak to you. Um, and before we go, would you like to let people know where they can get in touch with you online um, and kind of follow you and all of that? Sure, sure. Oh my goodness, yes. So um, I spend a lot of quality time on Instagram. So it's my handle is you are complete. It's all spelled out Y O U A R E complete. 
And on Thursdays in uh, at three o'clock California time, I do tea with B because I am a huge tea fan and I answer people's questions about mental health, spirituality, whatever it is live. And I actually have a course called Foundations of Wellbeing. If maybe this conversation or something I said sparked interest in, in someone, this is where I'm going to teach how do you live a spiritual life? How do you apply some of these traditional psychology principles with some of these spiritual principles I've, principles I've been talking about? It's a six-week course. We do it on Zoom. There's people from all over the world. So you also get to meet, make like-minded friends. And so, yeah, if you're interested in learning more about the course, find me on Instagram, find me on my website, youarecomplete.com, and I would love to have you. Thank you so much for your time this week and for joining me and Bianca on the Really Wellness Podcast. I hope that this episode gave you some great spiritual inspiration uh, and guidance on if this is right for you, how you can bring spirituality into your own mental health recovery journey. If you enjoyed today's episode and you're looking forward to the next one, please, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Next week, we are going to be joined by the extraordinary Dr. Eve, uh, who is a leader in the world of uh, sexology uh, and intimacy, just in time for Valentine's Day, when I'm sure many of us could use a little bit of advice on getting intimate with ourselves and our partners. Have a beautiful week ahead, and I look forward to joining you next week.